Here we go, rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out west is Adam Stanko, just two plugged in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life as we record this on Monday for Tuesday. Coming Thursday, the going ISO edition, the long form interview with Mark Jackson. Maybe not the Mark Jackson that you're thinking of, but the only Mark Jackson, I should say the first Mark Jackson that I think of, and it's the former Temple star, and I know that Adam thinks the same way. He spent a bunch of years in the NBA. He's mm-hmm. an analyst for the Sixers on TV on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Does some work on CBS Sports Network. Has a very successful AAU program. And we recorded that last week, and we cannot wait for you to hear <laughs> the, the intensity, the passion, and not just the NBA stories, but the growing up in Philadelphia mm. with less than nothing stories of Mark Jackson and to be where he is from where he came from. It is, it's movie stuff. It really is. It really is unbelievable. I cannot wait, as you said, for people to hear Mark Jackson's story. Unbelievable. All right. So we don't want to date this too much, which is tough to do because there's so much that happens every day in the world. And, you know, as we do this for the NBA, centering in Florida as COVID cases rise. So I was thinking about it on a few different angles. And the one that came to top of mind was, well, if it's a bubble, then how much does it matter what is happening outside the bubble? That was, that was, my, that was my first thought. Where do you stand on that? It's a great question. I, I think the perception means something. And so to give to give people an idea, and like you said, you don't want to date it, but we'll give we'll give dates though. So mm-hmm. for in Florida, there's this whole controversy about what the governor was telling the public and how forthcoming he was with the information he had available. But basically, you talk about March through the end of May, all the cases look to be about anywhere from daily new cases in Florida were about anywhere from like 500 to about a thousand, right? That's what we were looking at. But if you look at on a graph, what things have, what's happened since basically the last 10 or 11 days, June 11th, nearly 1700 cases, June 13th, 2,500 cases, June 16th, 2,700 cases. And again, these are all new cases in a given day. This isn't cumulative. This is per day. And then June 20th, 4,000 cases. And June 21st, 3,400. So it dipped a little bit. But we're talking about new cases per day. So obviously the area, just like we've seen in North Carolina and Arizona, has been exploding. And if you talk to people there, not just going by the numbers, but you talk to people anecdotally, they'll tell you, oh, people here don't treat it like it's anything. You know, it's that nobody's wearing masks. They're going out doing whatever they want to do. And the cases are exploding. So that's happening. So the the question then becomes like, how serious should people take it? What does it mean? My contention all along, though, has been that the once it starts hitting people close to home, once people are exposed to, oh, wait, I know a few people who have it. Once people's grandparents become ill or their friends, parents or grandparents become ill, even if they think they're safe, they're secure, 
don't infringe upon my rights. I get all of that stuff. And I, and I've actually come around to the idea, like, you know what, if you were told from the beginning by your government and then this was not a big deal. And then no one you knew had it. I, I could see why you would question the media mm-hmm. reports and all those kinds of things. But as a guy that was in New York, New York city, you understand what it feels like to be at the epicenter when all of a sudden it's cases and it's not knowing a lot of what's going on and just general concern. And my thing has always been not that the bubble can't protect the players because I think it can. And if you were going to do anything, the bubble makes the most sense. That's where I'd want to be, even though it could be in the middle of an epicenter, it could be in the middle of a hotspot, but at the same time, it has an influence on your perspective. And now all of a sudden when you realize, Oh no, Oh, this busing union, now a whole bunch of guys there. Or just like in my county in in California, there's a bunch of sanitation workers. The whole thing wiped out in terms of everyone's got it, essentially, in the sanitation department. And so when you start to hear stories like that, I think that's my worry about then more and more players saying, "Uh oh they start to get the heebie-jeebies and maybe this isn't for me. That's that's been my my concern. Yeah, and I also think that it gives the league an out that, hey, when we – when we plan this, this is mm. this is where we were, and this is where we expected. This is what we talked to scientists about, and this is where we expected the case the cases to be. So now, if so, now if the league does it there, and I don't know if there are contingency plans. I can't imagine there being a contingency plan for this. But we we had we had long talked about all the different variables involved here. And all the people, it's not just, as you said, players. There are just so many people involved. And even if people aren't coming into contact with, all it takes is one. And if the cases are rising around the area, then when eventually something does happen, and you hope it's not catastrophic, but when there are cases in the NBA bubble, then from the public relations standpoint, it's going to, produce that negative effect of, well, yeah, I mean, you guys knew this was going to happen. You put these guys in this position and then the players will, and then, then the players will say, well, we didn't want to be in the first place, but we agreed to. And then you, there's all sorts of points of contention between the two sides. And that's not what anybody would want. How much do you think, I I thought about this the other day. How much do you think for players, and maybe it hasn't even come into their consciousness yet, but a lot of these guys have family members who are sick, right? Or or know of people who are sick and come from areas in which a lot of people are sick. And that's of course divided, just like right. we don't we don't know if they have family members that are sick. We don't know. Right, 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 right. I mean, well, we know, you know, former player DJ Benga lost his his sister, right, we and know we know Carl Anthony Towns lost his mother, right? But we don't we don't know that it's been a lot. But I do I would assume, and I know we're recording sure. this on Monday for Tuesday. I would assume that they're going to be multiple players testing positive when they get tested oh, this week. I think there's no doubt, and and that doesn't necessarily mean just because you have a, a positive test that doesn't you know the argument also that doesn't necessarily mean that that person's in danger. They they might feel perfectly healthy. They may just be a carrier, what have you. But the but the question that I was going to ask you was. How much do you think players have considered the idea that playing, if they're in an area which might be a hot spot, and if there are people that they know that are getting sick and stuff, and they want to spread a message of concern almost, I was thinking about how much like playing becomes 
man, if I play, it's sending the wrong message to my community or my family or what have you. I, I was wondering about that recently. Yeah, as, I get it. Pick up around the country. Yeah, I get it. But I, right, I, I get it. But I think that the players would, as they have, and I think rightfully so, they've they've said, you know, we're lucky to have the leadership of Adam Silver and we trust what he's, you know, and the leadership of our players union and, and what, and what they decide is we think is best. So they know a lot, they know more about it than we do. Some will say that and they'll go along that way. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think they'll think of on, it'll be more on the black lives matter protesting mm-hmm. that they'll be think that I would, I would imagine they'd be thinking about, should we be playing versus what's going on with the, with the COVID cases. And look, we've discussed the idea that there's a multitude of reasons why players may decide not to play, you know, if they, if they Mm -hmm. choose to go in that direction and it could be, I've talked to guys around the league, like, Oh, players aren't feel like they might not be able to get their weed in the bubble. You know, their, their dealer might not be available to them or wherever they happen to get it. If it's Mm -hmm. in an area where it's not legalized, you might be talking about getting girls into the bubble. That's obviously going to be a, a challenge in its own right. Um, who's going to be snitching on people who are breaking the rules? You know, and snitching is probably the bad term because, you know, I'd want someone to be a whistleblower in that situation. And, <laughs> and you know, I mean, uh, of course, the culprits everybody points to, uh, you know, being Kyrie and, <laughs> you know, as you go on, we, we know the other names. But but I but I look at it uh, on the whole, no, and I just think it's it's weird. I can I can also understand how if it's a couple of guys who have major major concerns, and let's call them for the right reasons, about wanting to play. I understand how difficult it would have been for them to voice those concerns. And the question always is, when you have a larger group and people are coming together in a unified front, then they have strength in numbers. But I don't think it. I think it's still a question of guys having concerns. It doesn't sound the more and more I talk to guys, and maybe you have a different perspective, but it almost sounds like people just have questions and they have concerns. Yeah. They aren't necessarily saying I am out. I am not playing under any circumstance. No, no. And it's more about the less about the coronavirus and getting that versus the, well, it's my routine and am I going to get hurt? That's what I want to get into coming up. The Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. And that's why the hosts, All of us are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. New sponsor to the program, and I've been hearing really good things about Magic Spoon. Mm -hmm. And cereal is... Growing up, it was cereal nearly every day for breakfast. And my favorite cereal, I would, I could give you 10 guesses. I could give you, I bet I could give you 30 guesses and you wouldn't guess my favorite cereal as a kid. Healthy? That's the thing. I thought it was. Mm, but it wasn't. Interesting. Interesting. But I, did, but I didn't eat it at the time because I thought it was healthy. It, my favorite cereal was Cracklin Oat Bran. Oh my! Oh yeah. I'm listen. I'm a I'm a I'm a cereal fiend, and would not have guessed that. No, I can tell and you that right now. 
Crack and I, I was going to say grape nuts. I was going to say grape nuts. Now, I remember having – I didn't like grape nuts. I like – I like just right. That was like along on the just great nut right. side, but just I right. but I liked I loved crack and oat bran. But crack and oat bran had a ton, a ton of sugar. But with Magic Spoon, listen to this: four flavors: cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry. Mm-hmm. No sugar. Twelve gram, twelve grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. So it's one of those. This is too good to be true. Um, well, it is, and it's keto friendly, gluten free. I shouldn't say it is too good to be true, it's just that good, grain free, soy free, low good. carb, it's too good, and and GMO free. So, go to magicspoon.com/slash MBA, grab a variety pack, cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry, and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code NBA at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon's also so confident in their product, backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. So magicspoon.com slash NBA. Use the code NBA for free shipping. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. What may not be healthy for players is not the virus itself, but what happens when you're in the bubble basketball related? From speaking to guys around the league, and hearing about routines, pregame routines, day before routines. And and yes, they're in resorts, but the resources are going to be divided up amongst multiple different teams and different times. Everything is thrown off. Everything. So nothing, mm-hmm. nothing is going to seem normal. Even when the guys get out there on the floor for pregame, like hotel stuff aside, who are where are all the coaches to help them get their shots off or help them stretch and get them taped. Do there, as you said before, and we talked to John Beckett from the Nuggets. Denver Nuggets, their assistant coach a few weeks ago, that he had a lot of questions. All these are all questions that as you start to, as players start to think, all right, well, I would assume this would be the case. Well, it's not. I'd assume this would be the case. Well, it's not. Uh, what are we doing here? I think that I think that's going to play into a major factor if they play is go, it's going to play in a major factor into players post game comments and then performance on the floor. Yeah, I, I think all that stuff is is really interesting when you start to break it down because NBA players are creatures of habit. They just are. And it's the only way you can exist in that in that lifestyle. I mean, you talk to superstars and starters and they talk about the influence they can have on games and how they keep themselves focused but they're committed to different tasks and challenges on a nightly basis when you start to get into the role players and the specialists and pretty much the majority of the league falls under those categories and then you even have the guys that that barely play but those guys have to find a way to really remain focused throughout season and and in order to do that to remain focused throughout a season you have to find ways to remain focused on a daily basis. And so routine becomes a huge part of that and, and what guys do. And so it's their social interactions. It's their, their time and shoot around. It's, it's their time collectively as a group, but then it's all the card games that, you know, everybody has the same type of routine in that regard. And there's these weird rules now going around, oh, they're playing cards then it can only be one, one set of cards per game. And then you have to toss them out at the end of a game. And people who have done the science on the, uh, 
COVID nineteen. Right, like, right. So, like, it's the con. Out. Right. So, you've got to throw out cards. Yet, you're going to be bodying up next to a guy. Yeah, you get you got to throw out cards, but you're allowed to post up. Like, think about the logic there. I mean, really, when you when you break it down, I was thinking Noah about though. You and I had sort of discussed like, all right, so who's going to benefit from this, right? Like who benefits based upon the awkwardness? That's that's how I'm viewing this whole season in a bubble. And I know we go back to 1999. So I was thinking, all right, 1999, the New York Knicks as an eight seed go to the NBA finals in a strike-shortened year. They, they had injury issues we've talked about. They weren't gelling yet. All of a sudden, boom. They start to figure it out. The season's shortened, and what ends up happening? Here's this really hot team ends up entering the playoffs. They weren't really an eight seed, just squeaked by three two first round over the Heat. Well, then I look 2012, also a shortened season. 2012, who wins the championship? The Miami Heat over the Oklahoma City Thunder. I started thinking to myself, you know. Everyone talks about how Pat Riley gets his guys prepared, how he takes this weird mental approach to the game. And I only call it weird just because it's unusual in the sense that nobody else can motivate his guys like Pat Riley can. He's just a remarkable motivator. People have tons of stories about his pregame, halftime speeches, that kind of thing. But also just what he expects in terms of conditioning, mental and physical conditioning of his, of his players. And I was thinking he's been through this a couple times before. He's got a guy in Jimmy Butler who's going to be a leader for that that Heat team. I think the Miami Heat might be the scariest team come come the return. I mean, they, I can't. I wouldn't say anybody would be scarier than the Lakers, but you're talking about or or the Bucks. But you but you're talking about a a, a not a non obvious contender. You're saying that they are a that they're a, that they're the the sleeper team to get there. Yeah, scariest team to scariest team that's not a favorite. I mean, okay. you know, I'll throw a caveat in there. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so of course, everyone expects it to be an LA team and the Bucks in the finals. Yeah. All I'm saying is, in terms of preparation, I think that I would trust what the Heat, of course, what the Heat are going to do, I think, more than anybody else. And I've thought about what it could look like on the floor, off. All those things, how shooting might be impacted, how guys – you've talked a lot about guys getting into off-season mode, which the more and more I talk to people around the league, that's what they say is a big concern too, is that mental break that everyone in the NBA is like, oh, I'm in off-season mode. Mm-hmm. and Or at least not the superstars, but, but a lot of guys in the league feel that way. I just think the Heat mentally are going to be more prepared for this than any other than any other franchise that we see return, if, of course, the league does return. And on the on on a similar note, I think OKC would be dangerous also because of leadership. So I, I think I think leadership and mm-hmm. Riley being through this will play the will play the biggest parts in everything. So you could say, all right, well, what about a really young team that just kind of goes out there and hoops who they don't really have their routines down yet? That might help. But I do think you need one, two major voices to be able to keep a group together mentally, physically, and emotionally, and to get creative to be able to pull this off. So if Chris Paul isn't, if his head isn't everywhere else since he's 
know, running the players association, if his head isn't everywhere else and he can actually focus on Oklahoma city, I think, I think OKC could be dangerous also. But as we've talked before that there, there's no precedent for this. So I think everybody, everybody is a wild card. And I also don't think that the first eight games of this quote unquote regular season are going to tell us anything either. Yeah, you've talked about that in the past, and I think that's such a strong point. I don't think we're going to have a clue. What we will realize, though, is I expect some injuries. I expect some oh, hell yeah, unfortunately. Yep. Unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, I think these are the realities. I think we can expect that. And I think we're going to see awkward play. Uh, I think it's going to be weird for guys to get back. There's nothing like simulating NBA action when guys are out with injuries. They talk about the speed of the game. When guys go from college to the pros, they talk about the speed of the game. All those things, the physical play, plus guys haven't come into contact with other guys for a while. So just physically touching each other. Uh, I mentioned post-ups earlier, but just in general, guys rebounding. There's going to be that part of it, I think, is what's going to be awkward. Guys have gotten in the gym and shot. So I think the shooting actually, I think on a plus side, and we look at actually what's going to take place during games, I think the shooting actually won't be bad especially because of the setup of the gym and you don't have all those fans and stuff. I actually think shooting numbers might go up in some cases. And I also, I mean, that'll depend on shot selection in some, in some respects. And I also think I've said before, I don't think role players are going to feel the heat that they normally do. I've heard guys, you know, some of the veteran guys talking about how they almost will have to motivate themselves and find something within themselves to almost remind themselves they're playing NBA games, that this Mm -hmm. isn't like a summer league setup or something. All right, let me tell you about, as I've told you before, about one of the most useful apps on my phone. And given the fact that we don't have a whole lot of time for everything or anything, I use Blinkist, your phone, tablet, web browser. And what it does is it takes the best key takeaways, all that information that you just need to know and eliminates all the clutter from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. It's actually mm. kind of funny because Eden's been doing a nonfiction unit in kindergarten, like how to be a nonfiction reader. And the books take about 15 minutes to read. So I kept thinking that this is kind of like what Blinkist is, but you know, there's only 40 words on a page. And I like it because I can listen to all of this while I'm making dinner, cleaning up from dinner. And that's usually mm. when I listen to it. And right now in the queue, I've got how to win friends and influence people. I'm not really in the market for new friends, but more in the how to influence other people and people that I associate with and influence them into a certain way of thinking. And these days, I think on a lot of issues, there's only one true way of thinking. And Adam, don't worry about it. I don't need to use this on you. You're already there. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to the massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, all for one low price. Right now, limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for our Rejecting the Screen audience. So go to Blinkist.com slash NBA, try it free for seven days, and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA. Start your free seven-day trial, and you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Blinkist.com slash NBA. Big news for the podcast, huh? For the Instagram page? 
Well, yeah, I mean, listen, we, we've got someone who really wants to play a part in growing the Instagram page. They, they, they said, my daughter, Avery, she is 16 years old. She said, I want to take over. You know, Instagram is targeted towards a, a skews younger, younger audience. She goes, if I'm in charge of your social media, of your, your Instagram page, I think we could do big things. I think this thing could take off. And, uh, and does that mean I need after, to start doing shirts off posts? Listen, it would probably help. It would probably Whatever it takes, help. man. Whatever it takes. You know, but right at this point, whatever it's going to take to grow the Instagram page, uh, rejecting underscore the underscore screen for those that don't know. I mean, and this is, and look, this is probably going to take some work, Noah. It's going to take some work, not just from her, but it's going to take commitment from us. It's not like with Blinkist where all of a sudden in 15 minutes you can say you read a book, which I'm still curious if you tell people whether you read the book or whether you tell them that you read Blinkist. No, you say, no, no, here's what you do. You say, I just finished, and then you just say the book title. Yeah, no one's ever, did, wait, so you read it, you're saying? I finished it. Yeah, no, one, no one's ever, no one's going to say, you read no it or ever. you listen to it. No. Yeah. Oh, no. I just finished. We're, we'll eventually get on to TikTok. That's also where everybody's at. I, I told my daughter, I guess you're allowed to do one minute TikTok videos. And I told her that what we should do is just put this podcast on TikTok as just 30 straight one minute. Um, That'd be awesome. Clips. Yeah, and so going, nobody's doing that. No, nobody. You want to know how she responded? Yeah. Exactly that way. She goes, nobody does that. Why would you Why would you even think about that? I'm like, exactly. We'd be innovating. It. It's different. Nobody's, no, we get it. Uh, so I think that would be huge news. I do want people to go to our Instagram page and also go to at Natalie photo because I still don't think there's been enough love for the interview that we did last week, Noah, for Nat Butler, the legendary future hall of fame photographer, this Mm -hmm. guy, every unbelievable picture you think about when you think about the NBA, he probably took it. And the stories he had were, were pretty cool. So before we wrap it up, I want to do. One from each of us, one like yes. minute long yes. NBA story, like early in our lives, NBA stories. So I'm going to give, I'm going to give you one. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I used to record the NBA on NBC to no matter who was playing, record it on VHS, watch it live with Marv Albert calling the game and then watch it back on mute and record it into a tape player mm. of my voice doing the play-by-play because that's what I've always, and that's what I do. I wanted to continue doing play-by-play. So fast forward to when I was an NBA intern summer after junior year of college. So summer of 03 and Marv is shooting the Marv Albert show. It was a, it wasn't kind of a short lived show on NBA TV. And when Marv would shoot his wraparounds in studio, the producers of the show knew, you know, what I wanted to do. And I was an intern said, why don't you just come on in? And help out and be around. And it was, I think it was that summer and then the year and then the uh, summer after. And so, or the, the, during the season after. So I would come in and now I got to see Marv in action. And one day I needed to get Marv coffee. And I went across the street to Starbucks and it was a storm outside. Storm. And I didn't know how I was going to get all of this coffee back because I had I had the full Starbucks tray and Marv wanted venti extra dry 
skim cappuccino. You didn't and have to get no, 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 not extra diet, uh, not revealing, uh, skim. You're revealing information about Marv Albert that maybe extra, private thing. venti extra dry cappuccino with chocolate shavings. Okay. Wow. Wow. They didn't. They didn't have chocolate shavings. And oh. I'm fr- and I'm freaking out. Okay. I understand. I get it. So yes. so I and but I don't have room for anything. It's pouring rain. And yeah. I've got the I've got the tray. Now this story is longer than a minute. And okay. I got a chocolate bar and I got a plastic knife and I asked for an extra cup and I just started shaving this chocolate bar <laughs> into this extra cup. So good. And boy, did I get some laughs when I got back. Oh, Marv, but anyway, he was, yeah, oh yeah, he was he was very appreciative. I said, Marv, they didn't have any chocolate shaving, so I shaved this chocolate bar down best I could. He said, "Yes, with authority." <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. That is tremendous. I <laughs> have a story also that relates to, I guess, '90s basketball, if you will, '90s NBA basketball. So I, every summer, would go to summer camp in, uh, at Norwich University in Northfield, Vermont. They had a summer basketball camp. It used to be the Casey Jones All-Pro School for years. And a hmm. uh, guy by the name of Alex Robinson, who's longtime legendary ref in the Massachusetts area, ran the camp. I think Jerry Seasting at one point had ownership of it, or at least part ownership. He used to come to the camp. Casey Jones came in the early days. But anyhow... Uh, when you'd go to camps in the Northeast, we, I'd bounce around. Cause even I, I grew up in Massachusetts, but I ended up living in Pennsylvania. And when I, when I moved to Pennsylvania, I still would go to this camp in, in Vermont, go see my old friends and all that kind of stuff. And, but I also went to different camps in Pennsylvania and all, and there were certain speakers that you would see that would sort of do the Northeast basketball summer camp circuit. Uh, and one of them was Dick Carter. And Dick Carter would come seemingly every year to a bunch of camps. I used to see him all the time at things. For those that don't remember, Dick Carter is a longtime NBA assistant coach, legendary defensive coach. Mm-hmm. But he would give this speech. He would come out and give this speech about how, and I saw it multiple times, where you needed three shots on the floor that you had to hit. You had to make sure that you never missed from the free throw line, layups, and then your sweet spot. And he would say, you have to go to these, these, be able to hit shots from these three spots. So first I recall one of the times Dick Carter came out to give the speech and they announced him and they're like, ladies, you know, like ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, legendary, legendary coach, Dick Carter. And some kid from the back just yells out harder than what, which, you know, got laughs from the campers, of course, but he goes through and explains the the free throws and the layups. And he goes, now you also need, uh, you know, your sweet spot. And so he said, who here can shoot? And some of the kids at camp started saying, oh, get him, get him. And I was having a really good week at the camp. So he gets me to stand up and he goes, what's your, what's your sweet spot? And I hadn't thought about it up until that point, but I used to do the game plus minus on both sides of the, you know, baseline and you go mm-hmm. shooting. So I was like, you know, about 15 feet out baseline. He goes, all right, well, you got to make three shots in a row from there. And if you do, I'll get you a pair of Patrick Ewing sneakers because he had just gotten a gig with the Knicks, I think, at the time. So I said, okay, great. 
So it's in front of the whole camp. There's no defense. Or anything. He passes me the ball. I'm at the baseline. Nail the first one. Nail the second. So I go to shoot the third. And and like the second shot, he like said something when I shot, like trying to distract me. And he's like, all right, guys, make some noise because he's got to make this shot. So kids in the camp start to go nuts, all this. So as I pull up to shoot the ball, Dick Carter takes a basketball and whips it at me. I, I think he whipped it at me to like try to distract me, like try to pass it to the side of me. But instead, I go up, shoot the thing. Ball comes towards my feet. Knocks me over like flat on my face. Swish. No. Camp erupts. Erupts. Goes bananas. Dick Carter never sent me my pair of Patrick Ewing sneakers. I'm still frustrated to this day. Yeah. At one point, he was with the Hornets. I'd gotten some T-shirt from from the Hornets, but I never got a, a pair of the Patrick Ewing sneakers, which I don't think any many people bought those things anyway. But uh, the Ewing signature shoe. Yeah, sure. But, they're still around. Yeah, I deserved it. He felt, you could tell he felt so bad, like all of a sudden got really nervous. He just like whips this pass and it goes like towards my legs and topples me over and stuff. But it was like one of my fondest memories. But also I'll never forget Dick Harder for that. So long live Dick Harder. He passed away a few years ago. I want to say 2012, maybe. Nice man. Great camp speaker. But um, yeah, that's my it's uh, my NBA story from back in the day. That's how you live under pressure. Your whole life, even on the pressure. Even on this podcast. Remember, at rejecting underscore the underscore screen, that story would make for a great Instagram story. At (laughs) Naismith lives on Twitter. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Check out everything else going on on the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Fantasy Hoops with Josh Lloyd and your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Coming Thursday, check it out. Going ISO with former NBA big man, Mark Jackson. Trust me. You're not going to want to miss it. Adam? Must listen. Must listen. Thanks, pal. You are the best. <laughs>